Hi, my name is Andreas Lapakis. I'm the new editor-in-chief for the CMAJ, and today we're going to talk about uh, thyroid dysfunction, specifically whether we should screen asymptomatic individuals for thyroid dysfunction. Um, I've been a general internist for many, many years, and I must admit that's not something I've been doing, but I gather it's something that's done uh, not infrequently, so I'm looking forward to uh, talking with Dr. Richard Bertwistle, who's a family physician in Kingston and a uh, professor in family medicine and public health sciences at Queen's University about this topic. Richard chaired a group associated with the Canadian Task Force uh, for Preventive Healthcare that made recommendations uh, around this topic. So Richard's joining me from Kingston, which is uh, where I went to med school. Richard, welcome. Well, thanks very much. Hello, Andres. Maybe first, do you have a sense of how many um, people are screened in Canada for thyroid dysfunction or what led you to uh, the task force? I'm sure has many topics that you can choose to look at. So what made you think that this was important enough to write a guideline about? Well, I think there was a perception, certainly among the, the family physicians on the task force, that there was TSH or th thyroid dysfunction screening uh, happening fairly commonly in practices. We um, actually have had a, a recent study done by the Canadian Primary Care Sentinel Surveillance Network, uh, Michelle Griever, and colleagues in the UK. It has not been published yet, but they found that um, somewhere in the neighborhood of a third of adult patients had had a thyroid test done uh, over two years uh, without any other finding within the electronic medical record for an indication for the test. So that's pretty significant that um, there's, you know, that many people who seemingly are having, who are asymptomatic and having, having uh, thyroid testing done. That study was done in the UK, you're saying, right? It was both uh, Canada and UK. So oh, okay. it was uh, data, electronic medical record data from the Canadian Primary Care Sentinel Surveillance Network. Maybe you could summarize briefly for us what you have recommended uh, about thyroid screening and how confident you are uh, in that recommendation? The recommendation is pretty straightforward. It was It's the Canadian non-pregnant adults who are asymptomatic uh, do not need to be screened for thyroid dysfunction, either hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism. And I think we're quite confident in this recommendation. Even though we the evidence was rated as, as low quality, uh, we gave it a strong recommendation. And I think part of the low certainty was related to our use of the grade system for assessing evidence uh, and that there was actually no direct evidence. So there have been no direct screening trials done for uh, assessing benefits of, of thyroid screening. So all of the evidence we used was indirect, uh, mostly related to both randomized trials and some cohort studies looking at treatment. So if I've got you right, there's no randomized trials like we have in mammography screening, for example, where a large number of asymptomatic people are randomized to either get screened or not. So that's why you couldn't give it at a high methodological recommendation. But at the same time, you said some, there were some randomized trials. So what were those randomized trials of? So we undertook a systematic review uh, to look for any evidence that uh, screening for thyroid dysfunction resulted in a clinical improvement in those who were asymptomatic. And so we we reviewed uh, 
uh, or our team at least reviewed 22 studies, 19 of which were randomized controlled trials uh, of treatment and three cohort studies. And this compared uh, treatment versus placebo uh, or no treatment in patients who were identified uh, with an elevated TSH. Okay, so these are people that were identified with an elevated TSH, but presumably didn't have a compelling, you know, most of the people that I've diagnosed with hypothyroidism, for example, I would sort of say it'd be unethical not to replace them with T4 because they're clearly symptomatic. So these were, are these people that have what we call subclinical hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism then? Well, certainly the ones who were treated uh, would fall into that category. Um, so the population that were entered into the randomized trial were were patients who were, quote, screened uh, somehow uh, by the, the group. I mean, they had a TSH done for some reason that probably was, wasn't, was not related to symptoms. And so they got into the study uh, off, you know, many of these people had uh, subclinical hypothyroidism, as an example. And there have been no trials at all actually looking at hyperthyroidism. Okay, so it's all hypothyroidism. And, and when you looked at the systematic review of those trials, as I understand it, you found no clinically important effect on likelihood of death, sort of cardiovascular outcomes, or even, I think, sort of measures of well-being or quality of life. Am I right about that? That's yes, that's correct. Uh, and the, you know, we also looked at other other things such as weight change, uh, mood, cognitive impairment, uh, and and some there were some immediate intermediate outcomes looked at, like blood pressure and blood lipids, and really, you know, overwhelmingly uh, there did not seem to be any uh, treatment effect. Okay, so it sounds like like you said before, it sounds like a fairly straightforward recommendation, which is don't screen asymptomatic non-pregnant adults. And uh, although there wasn't any randomized trials of screening versus no screening per se, uh, the evidence is is pretty uh, supportive of that recommendation. What would you say to a doc that would sort of say, well, I, I don't know how much a TS, maybe you can tell us actually how much a TSH costs, but that you know, there's no side effects to doing a TSH and, and, and it's not a costly test. So, you know, I think I might continue to screen anyway. I think that's, you know, a common argument used for, I think, doing blood tests. Uh, other examples are PSA for prostate cancer screening. TSH is an inexpensive test, but if it comes back abnormal, that's just the start of the cascade, it comes back abnormal. It may result in further testing, like a thyroid ultrasound. Uh, it can certainly result in unnecessary lifelong treatment, regular TSH measurement, and regular visits to uh, health professionals or follow-up. So not only that, uh, it medicalizes a person without any apparent benefit to them. So while we can say, yes, the individual test is, is inexpensive, there's a lot of things that can fall out of finding a, an abnormal test that may not result in any, any lasting benefit for the patient. I mean, I find that argument, you know, quite convincing. Your comment about just, you know, medicalizing people, and, and I presume that quite a few docs, if they got an abnormal TSH back and, and maybe the T4 isn't all that abnormal, might just sort of say, I'm going to follow them, but you're still going to re 
you know, redo the test and bring them back and, and have given them another potential diagnosis that they don't actually have. That's correct. So how are you and your colleagues disseminating the guideline? What, what should we do to get this out there to docs? And is there anything for patients? Does your guideline group produce patient-oriented material? And if you do, how do you get it to them? We do. They're on our website. There's information for patients. There's information for physicians, obviously through the CMAJ. Uh, we'll be um, having sort of webinars with uh, a variety of stakeholders uh, once the publication comes out. And so we work with uh, your old group in Toronto, with Lika uh, uh, Ching, and uh, they help us to produce patient materials and uh, communication materials to distribute widely. Great. Um, Richard, is there anything that I haven't asked you about uh, that, that you think our listeners should know about? Just to reinforce something um, around uh, if, you know, somebody actually does come to see a physician with symptoms suggestive of, of uh, thyroid dysfunction, uh, this guideline does not cover those people. And they're, uh, you know, somebody's coming with significant uh, or unexplained fatigue or weight change, uh, cognitive uh, changes, and some cardiovascular palpitations, that sort of thing that that certainly TSH should be part of their investigations. And I think the other thing is that um, this guideline doesn't cover uh, the sort of people who are on certain medications, you know, such as lithium or amiodarone, who may, as part, as part of their management, have thyroid uh, function testing. Uh, patients who've had uh, head and neck radiation uh, and those who've had uh, pituitary or hypothalamic disease um, this is um, th these are people who uh, may well require uh, some um, some thyroid dysfunction assessment. Okay, yeah, important uh, qualifiers on who your guideline is applicable to. So thanks for that. Um, anything else? Uh, just to say that we're uh, we really are hoping that clinicians who are doing TSH screening as part of their practice will reconsider that practice, and those who uh, aren't will not start. Uh, you know, particularly reaching out to family practice residents, uh, people who are in training to understand the the role of of uh, assessing for thyroid dysfunction. So thanks, Richard. Great. So I've been talking to uh, Richard Bertwistle, who's a family physician, clinical epidemiologist, and I noticed, Richard, you're an emeritus professor. I just became an emeritus something rather too. So we're we're both together. So that's awesome. Um, <laughs> Great. <laughs> Richard uh, chaired the working group for screening for thyroid dysfunction uh, for the Canadian Task Force uh, for Preventive Health Care. And to read the clinical practice guideline, please visit uh, cmaj.ca. Uh, just a little infomercial here. If you haven't yet subscribed to the CMAJ podcast, uh, we'd love it if you did uh, on SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, or any podcast app. Uh, if you do, you'll be notified every time that we publish a new podcast episode. And please let us know how we're doing with our podcast by leaving a rating. I've just started here at the CMAJ, so I'm asking everybody, you know, what people think of uh, the various parts of the journal we have. So uh, I, I'd love to, to hear from you about that. So I'm Andreas Lapakis, Editor-in-Chief for the CMAJ, and uh, thanks for listening and chat with you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye.